Podcast. I'm your host Kelly K. Fresh Frazier, and like always, we have the freshest of guests for you. The guest for this episode is Butcher Bear, the Austin, Texas-based owner of Insect Records, co-founder of the Exploding Drawing Events, and drummer in the band Black Mercy. Always donning the full-on bear costume, I go way back with him from the days of my original Renaissance Soul website. I even did an Insect Records podcast mix a while back called "The Demon Within." You can get that at insectrecords.org slash podcast. Butcher Bear has always been a huge supporter of Detroit music, having released projects on Insect Records featuring Guilty Simpson, House Shoes, Self Says, Chains, Doc Kim, and Nameless. For as long as we've known each other, this is the first time we've talked at any length, and it was great to finally catch up with Butcher Bear. During our conversation, we talked about his upbringing in Austin, which included a lot of hardcore shows. Along with time being in bands and becoming a producer himself. We also get into the conception of Insect Records and his philosophy and how he releases projects and the creation of the Exploded Drawing events. Butcher Bear is simply just a music nerd and has such a passion for a wild array of genres that he's just always been a blessing to know. We need more people like Butcher Bear in the arts world. So, after a short word from our sponsor, we'll get into this interview yeah, with the homie Butcher Bear. Before we start this podcast, I want to definitely remind you of a sponsor for Fresh of the Word, 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams, along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest. In the world of wrestling, where there's hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads, don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. So if you'd like to discuss a possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or even Zubaz, then drop them a line at 20by20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20, apparel.com. And also check out their enamel pin line. It's super cool. Alright, welcome back to the Fresh of the Word podcast. And I have a fresh guest for yo, with us today. And he's a longtime friend, but this is the first time we're actually ever having a conversation. It's long overdue. He goes by the name of Butcher Bear. And he runs Insect Records out of Austin, Texas. And he's the co-creator of the Exploded Drawing uh, events. And he also plays drums in a like a punk rock hardcore band called uh, Black Mercy. Like, uh, yo, how you doing, man? Oh, doing great, man. Thank you for having me on the program. Long overdue, man. Long overdue. Like... Before we were running, you know, recording and everything, we were just kind of shooting the shit about some things. And, like, you were telling me how you originally came across my original website, you know, um, Renaissance Soul. 
and you know first off let's kind of go back to your um to your upbringing with music and everything you know uh down in austin like you know how were you you know what kind of kid were you what were you into you know what what was sort of the, your musical upbringing man uh i was i was into you know to start with whatever my mom had in the house which was like uh kind of like compilations of 70s like early 80s like folk so you know there'd be like 10 bob dylan records uh, a couple joan baez like <laughs> joan armatrading all the jones were in there all the jones uh, like police um synchronicity was like the first time i ever got to see like a girl with her shirt off i remember that pretty, pretty distinctly <laughs> uh, but yeah those, you know just those kind of records the first the first probably like around like nine or ten i started hanging out with uh like little skater kids in my neighborhood and that was when i started getting um like the colors soundtrack and cool modi and like uh, first two public enemy records uh minor threat dead kennedy's black flag like that kind of stuff uh, bad brains and that was probably until i was about like 13 or 14 and that's when i found the butthole surfers who were you know they're from austin texas but also at that time um they were still playing shows and kind of like small like fucked up you know little clubs here and uh i just started trying to sneak into every single show i could basically like I had this whole system where I got my mom to trust me. So she would drop me off and then I could take a cab home. And then after a year or two of that, I just started running away so I could go see like shows and stay out like all night. And uh, that kind of stuff was like, you know, butthole surfers, but also King Coffee, their drummer had this really awesome label called Trans Syndicate. Okay. And all of those bands kind of made up this scene that, yeah, talk more about like the uh, the scene down in Austin that you were seeing as you were growing up. Yeah, like I mean, like probably you know, there's always been shows here, and there's uh, even back then were a lot of like all ages uh, options. But most of them uh, in the beginning would put me at shows that were more like <clears throat> like college rock or like like the precursor to what be what would be like Hootie and the Blowfish or like something like that. Just really <laughs> fucking terrible. Yeah. But I would go to almost any show that I could get into just because I was into it. You know, like I would go and like watch the drummer and then go home. And at the time I had a drum set. So I would go home and like change my whole drum set around to like however he had his shit set up. And then I would like try to play their stupid music. But eventually um, I figured out that there was like hardcore shows. And I went and saw like Guar when I was 12. Uh, we got to see the exploited with biohazard opening up when nice. I was like 12 or 13. Um, so it changed pretty quickly. Like once I figured out that there was other clubs that I could get into and then eventually figured out how to get into the, you know, over 18, over 21. Um, I was getting to see like Jesus lizard the first couple of times that they came down. So it was really in the heat of, of, things that a bunch of things that would later become uh really fucking huge and austin has a, a huge kind of like uh psychedelic cowboy history you know like yeah. space cowboys 
um, from the 70s. And that's like who my dad was. And that's my mom was like, you know, a part of that community. (laughs) 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 But uh, like even now, you know, back back in the early 90s, like when I was all these shows that I'm talking about were back then, like the first couple of times I see Fugazi, like I got to see them maybe like 12 times before I was 18, you know, just because I would go every single time they came. If they would play three nights, I would buy tickets to every single show. Blonde Redhead would be opening up and like Sonic Youth would come through. One of the best shows I've ever seen, um, just with a Michigan connection, was the Laughing Hyenas opening up for Sonic Youth. Oh, nice. And I was like a huge uh, Negative Approach fan. So like when I saw Laughing Hyenas, like I just lost my shit. Like they're incredible. But yeah, like that's that's the kind of stuff that I was into around then. And I'd say like I probably, I started getting more into, uh, back into hip hop, like in my early 20s, you know? But in the, in the young days, I was hanging out with a bunch of like psychedelic, freak punk people and you know occasionally going to hip-hop shows here and there like when public enemy would roll through or like house of pain that was a really terrible show but i went to that (laughs) when did you like first start like getting into making music man like when i was like uh like 10 years old i convinced my mom to let me start taking drum lessons and then i was able to get a drum set uh, like a couple years later, and then a couple years after that, I got into a bunch of trouble, uh, and I had to sell the drum set to pay back this uh, trouble I got into. <laughs> I was 14, but the whole time, basically, I lost uh, my real drum set when I was 14, and I was into all these really experimental bands, so I wound up having two or three floor toms with like pieces of metal, like just on top of them. I was really into Pussy Galore at the time, like John Spencer's old band. And so basically, you know, I had like, they had like a metal radiator and some springs and just like weird shit. (laughs) And so when I was like 14 or 15, I just started getting like super dedicated. I was going to learn how to play drums, even if I had like a bunch of this crap to play on or whatever. But pretty much from then, I was making pause tapes when I was 14, um, just making little beats with like three seconds of shit and trying to, you know, you have to look at the tape reset counter and then like acclimate. And then I would play those tapes through a bass amp and then play drums along with that and then take that tape and put it in the other deck and then play guitar along with that. And just <laughs> <laughs> so like that was, that was the early days kind of before I had a four track and then, uh, I started playing in a few punk bands, like kind of right as I was uh, getting into high school, like around there, like 16, 17. My first tour I ever went on, I was 17. Oh, nice. (laughs) When did you kind of start taking like taking it seriously and like start building this thing that would eventually be Insect Records? Man, you know that I would say in a in a weird way that the the label is probably like my third or fourth life you know like when i started doing that it was almost um from a sam it was like in 2008 i think was the first release it was uh inauguration day um or not inauguration day but it was uh the vote that got obama into the white house 
that's the first release in 08. And when I did that, I pretty much had the vantage point of like, I was just done. Like I was at the end of doing like 20 years of stuff. And I, that was my, not retirement plan, because we don't make any money out of it. But like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, hey, like I'm gonna, this is what I'm gonna be into now. I'm not really gonna do bands anymore, which completely wasn't true. But at the time, you know, you tell yourselves you're going to do something and then a year later you figure out that that was dumb and you change your mind and you do something else. So it was it yeah. was more of a <clears throat> I knew how to do it because when I was uh, 18 or 19, my friend was running a label called Little Deputy and they put out like uh, All You Can Eat and Gomez and uh, like a lot of garage punk bands and also pop punk bands okay <clears throat> uh, i think they did like a 45 for good riddance like way back then but at the time um my buddy went out of town for like a couple months and he asked me i was always asking him about doing label shit and he asked me if i wanted to uh do his mail order and like you know it's totally like hey do you want to paint my fence for free or whatever but i was so stoked you know <laughs> and i went over there and this is before the internet you know so he had like an ad and maximum rock and roll like that's how he sold records so it was just like <laughs> going through these envelopes that had cash like taped into like a corner and in between two pieces of cardboard and shit but um that's how i learned about labels you know like that's how i figured out kind of not everything at that time but i figured out who to talk to as far as like knowing what a vendor was, um, kind of how to put together like a schedule to get the whole thing made on time. And, uh, you know, around 08, I, I had like two or three ideas of things I wanted to put out, but I literally was going to stop at about seven or eight releases. That, that was like my original plan from the get go, you know, was, I was going to do a couple things, put out like, couple of my own records and then that was going to be it and i would move on pretty much what was your reasoning behind that which part <laughs> like about doing like it? seven records and then calling it quits well i guess like at the time it's probably more of uh just trying to like shield myself from failure maybe <laughs> yeah okay yeah it's, it's easier to like give myself a smaller goal that i feel is like accomplishable you know but uh you know, in, in hindsight, I think it was also because at the time I didn't, I didn't have the ambition or the goals or really a lot of the uh, knowledge I would need to keep doing it after that. So the, the small projects I had lined up were like a podcast, a CD, like two or three, seven inches, and like that was it. You know, so as far as budget and amount of work it would take to do that kind of thing, that's that's the part I thought I could get up to that point, you know. Right. But I, I can tell you there was a definitive point uh, where I figured out right right at uh, like around 09, I figured out right then that I was like not going to quit at all. And then I definitely like was going to do a bunch more stuff. What like was remember, that point? You know, what was the, um, what changed your mind? Man, it was meeting, uh, J one, um, the deer, Javon Coleman, um, Rest in peace, J one. 
the homie. Absolutely. Like I don't I don't know if you you two ever met. Did yeah, man. We were you? like we were, me and him were starting to become like good friends before he passed away. Man, that's so dope. Um, yeah, he he was just an incredible guy, and I uh, it was one South by where him and he was playing with um, maybe the Hawthorne Headhunters. He came down with like I said and a bunch of those guys. <clears throat> but uh, Havana Joe, this guy Havana Joe was doing work with Stone Throw at that time. Yeah, I know Havana Joe. Yo, holler at, yeah, shout out Havana Joe. Shout out Havana Joe, much love. Um, he called me that they, sometimes they would hit me up for favors. And I think like they got something delivered to my house and I was dropping it off at this show. And when I got there, um, <laughs> Joe and I knew each other pretty well even then, but he, uh, he goes, Hey, this is my friend J1. And then he turns to J1 and he's like, Hey man, this is Butch. He has a fucking dope label. Like you guys got to work together. And I was just like, literally like turned ghost. Because <laughs> I'm looking at all these, you know, guys that I'm a big fan of. And I knew who J1 was because uh, the first um, Starship was already out there. Starship 27. Yeah. Uh, his yeah. brilliant compilation series he came out with. But the first one was just like a download, you know, up on the net or whatever. So I already knew who he was. And I was pretty embarrassed, actually, because I was like, I'm not a real label. Like, this is completely misrepresenting me. <laughs> I just want to say what's up, you know. But we uh, we went in the back. We burned one, like, just kind of pounded it out. And it was instant instant family, man. Just, like, the the amount of um, the amount of just the way that he uh, tasted life and just kind of gave it back to you, even in the first, the very first time I ever met him. Um, like, and... You know, within a week, he had already sent me the track list of the next record he was about to do, which we wound up doing on Insect Records. Um, and as soon at the time, I didn't know anything about distribution. I didn't know anyone at Fat Beats. I didn't have any money. Um, I didn't have anything except I knew that, you know, I had met this amazing person who had this brilliant record with some of, you know, like on, on that comp that we put out, Starship. 27 volume two it's basically like a who's who of people that would go on to be you know just super uh accomplished you know yeah. and he he just had that vision and you could see it and hear it uh as soon as he spoke so it was that putting that record out um completely changed the trajectory of the label and just kind of changed the way um that i was thinking about things you know like a lot of things that were made possible for that record completely came out of thin air you know what were some of the ideas that you had after that you know after that time you know what did you start thinking differently about and what was sort of the results of that well i after that i just started well with in the process of doing that record pretty much how it went is jay's jay sent me the, the music and then i had to figure out how to get it put out so I basically just started hitting it. I had heard from somebody else that you could send it to a distributor and then they would possibly put it out, you know, for you, but it's like a big loan and you have to, you know, figure out how to get it all set. Um, and I just started hitting up every single place that I bought records from. And when I hit up Fat Beats, it was this, it was, this is a funny story actually, because, uh, 
this dude, he used to work there. I'm spacing out his name right now. He's a really good producer from New York. Um, I think he's also an MC. Anyway, he used to work there. I sent it to him. He hit me back the next day and he was like, he greenlit the entire thing. I was bowled over, you know, he said all the things you want him to say, which is just like, whatever y'all want, like, we'll cover it. We'll make sure you have enough copies. They'll get out on the date you want, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, and then on Monday, I get a, a company-wide email from Fat Beats to like anyone they work with, right? Saying that this guy's fired or he quit. I think he quit. But it was like, I was just like, I called Jay that day and I was like, we're fucked. I was like, this is, I'm so sorry. Like this shit just fell through. I don't know what happened. And then like the next day he sent me an email and he was like, hey man, just in case you're concerned about our deal, like we're good. Like you're good. The whole record's good. I was just quitting and this is all just happened, you know, around the, around the same time. Or whatever. So <laughs> I, it, it just kind of happened in this weird, weird way, but it was, the whole thing was just educational. You know what I mean? Like when you're having to uh, collaborate with so many different people and especially uh, having a record where you have Wajid, House Shoes, Devin Who, uh, Dame Funk, I said, Ross G, Computer J, uh, T goes on there. Like there's just a laundry list of just some of the dopest people and, and, learning how to navigate a collaboration that big by watching J one, like put all the pieces together was really inspiring. And after that, <clears throat> I just started, uh, started looking at putting out uh, my own record. And then I was going to put out a couple of my friends records. And then I started just downsizing and doing tapes and tapes really were a godsend to me because that's what I came up with in the nineties, like we used to buy these little tapes from these acid, you know, drum circle bands or whatever. And so <laughs> I was pretty well versed in that. And so seeing that come back and also that made it more affordable um, for me to keep putting out releases with projects that are <clears throat> basically like, I just started looking at it. Like I'm putting out artifacts, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I'm releasing this for it to wind up in a fucking uh, resale like a Goodwill in Jersey, maybe in like six years. Like somebody's just going through a bunch of shit and they're like, yo, what the hell is this? It looks interesting. Exactly. And so I just started going towards that instead of trying to figure out how to make anything I was doing accessible for everybody. Cause I don't really think that that's like the look necessarily, you know? Yeah. Extend on that a little bit more about like what do you look for when you know when it comes to what projects you want to put out, what artists you want to work with? Yeah, a lot of it, um, a lot of it is personal, just how how uh, I get along with the artists, and that goes for people that I don't know as well, you know what I mean? Because there's a lot of people that before we worked together, we didn't know each other, but over the course yeah. of doing a price move we'll totally do another record together, you know, that kind of thing. But most of them just come from the music. Like if I, if I get the, the tape or if somebody sends me music, like I just kind of, I don't want to say there's no special talent, you know, it's just kind of like, I know right away. 
I like if I can, I know right away about the music and then typically I will then try to see if like, like we're, we could work together, you know, like if we get along or if like, cause I think the number one rule to any project is like both people wanting to work together. Yeah. Like if one person doesn't, it doesn't work. And also it's just a bad vibe. So it's always good to just figure out like, I think it's great when pe people figure out how to say no to each other. And then from there, you can kind of figure out like where the yeses are at. And there's a lot of things I've tried to do that just haven't worked out, you know? Like you're only seeing the ones that have passed, <laughs> passed the, the test or whatever. But yeah, I mean like <clears throat> that's, that's just, for me, it's super personal because this it's just such a, a small little, um, it's just a little, thing you know that's part of the name of the label you know the inspiration actually is from um you'd appreciate this but it's actually from that first uh fat cat single um don't nobody care about us that shoes put out yeah that that uh song is actually the inspiration for the insect records the name of the label or whatever oh nice <laughs> nice yeah and when it comes, yeah, when it comes to the um the releases that you're you're putting out on Insect, it's like you didn't stick to like one particular genre. Everything's a bit experimental in its own way. You know, what was the sort of the thought behind that? That's probably just a, a product of the stuff that I'm into. I also don't think that I'm I'm probably not a good fit to like rut, like do something and then just keep doing it and keep doing it. As far as like only doing uh like straightforward hip-hop or only doing like super uh whacked out bass music beats or whatever instrumental hip-hop or even like the hardcore shit or like the black mercy is like that and the society friends both bands i play drums in um are like the hardcore shit and then i put out you know a couple like soul kind of records like the total sound group stuff um but yeah, man, I just think that shit's healthy. You know, like that's what people are witnessing, at least in the in in my case, the label is is like this is it. <laughs> so like everything you're witnessing is like shit that I'm I'm into, you know, and I'm into a lot of a lot of other stuff that like I don't put out just because I don't I don't feel like it met like I'm straight up just going for the artifact thing. You know, like I'm into dope beats. I'm into noisy music. I'm into fucking like beautiful female vocals. I'm into like instrumental piano shit. I'm into, uh, you know, like, uh, like Palace Brothers, um, like that kind of shit. And I'm, we're like this year, I'll be, there's a few things that are coming out that are still like uh, vocals and piano. Like that's it. Like. See, you know, that's why I like insect, man. You, 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 you like all the weird shit that I like. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that's healthy, especially for for folks. Like, I totally get like people having like a thing that they do, and that being you know a part of the the brand or whatever. But I guess like I, I'm my label is more so a person and less a brand, just because um, I'm just doing the shit that I'm into. You know, and I, I'm super, you, I can't even tell you how grateful I am um, 
that anybody checks it out or cares about it. You know, I think it's it's dope that people support it. You know, you know, talk about putting your own putting out your own records, your own sort of thing, and where the whole uh, butcher bear costume thing came from. Man, the uh, <clears throat> I mean, before the label started, um, maybe like in '03, my friend uh, Kenneth Holland, he's a brilliant artist. He, he and I worked together at an x-ray company. And one day he came, he was taking pictures for these uh, crazy shirts he had made. And he was like, here, put on one of these shirts and then, you know, take my photo or whatever. And then he came back the next day with like a Photoshop version of it. And it just said Butcher Bear on it. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And he was like, this is yours. I made it for you. You can have it. You can use it whenever you want. And uh, maybe that was more, that was more like maybe an 01. And I sat on that for probably like six or seven years. And in that time, um, my friends Reagan and Silton both like, uh, I think like Reason 1 was coming out right then or like Reason 2. Um, and they, they just started showing me, like I spent my whole life in studios and playing instruments, like various instruments, being a singer in a band and doing all this shit. But then my friends turned me on like to like, yo, you can just do this shit in your room. And like, here's all these virtual instruments. And, like, so <laughs> in that time I started making uh, my own shit. And then also in the beginning, you know, I was, I was thinking that maybe if I did some like just stupid shit, like maybe that would help sell records a little bit too. I think that was part of it <laughs> yeah. because I, I didn't really develop like a show until maybe like Oh, Oh nine. It was after the label had already started going, but I was already DJing um, in the suit, like before that for record release shows and shit like that. But yeah, man, my friend, I guess the way it, that's the way the name came together was from my friend uh, Kenneth. And then my friend Beth Schindler um, basically made this like, actually my friend Laurel Berrickman drew me and then my friend Beth Schindler saw that and then made the first uh, suit. And she's made like five of them uh, so far. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of that's how the suit and that shit came together. And then uh, the beats and shit, I mean, like, you know, doing my own stuff has just kind of been a mixture of all the pause tape, like weirdo butthole surfer shit. And then, you know, huge fan of, of Detroit hip hop, you know, like all the, the, the crazy part too was figuring out that I could contact people. I think you were one of the first like people that made me realize that I could contact people on the internet. Yeah. The internet you know, what I mean? that that's what weird, I did. But it's just like, I had, I had like hotmail, but that's the only in my mind that was just the only way on the internet that you could talk to people and i didn't think that i could just talk to you directly and <laughs> that was wild you know so the early podcast like i put out a uh, b-tape for slada and also for uh for chains and then i did that 45 with guilty um the first podcast was with doc kim which i found out later like he's actually from detroit too yeah but uh, yeah, man. Like, just to, I think I think that was like all the all the butcher bear stuff. It was mostly just 
you know, to get attention, but it's also, I love the anonymity. It's so nice. <laughs> oh, so, but, see, and that's you know, another reason why I was drawn to you and what you're doing is because of all that, because I love, I love things like that, you know, face paint, masks, you know, all wrestling. that stuff. I grew yeah. up on that stuff, like here in Detroit with, you know, ICP and Twisted and oh, all that yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. you know, so I always, I always enjoyed that, you know, so, so like when it came around like this past year with this whole pandemic, like wearing masks was like fun for me. Right. <laughs> and I was even, and I, when I was, I was, I was looking back on the insect website and I was like, and I was looking back at the podcast I did many yeah, years ago. You, you were a guest. You did a podcast for us. Yeah. And I'm like, I was, I was like, like, it was like super dark, it was all like dark music. Like it was so fucking dark. I remember in my mind, I was like, man, what kind of fucking sick Detroit hip hop is he going to put on here? And, he <laughs> gave me that, totally and I was different. like, Oh, my melter. <laughs> it's so good though. That like, was the so thing funny. though. It's like right up my alley. Like, that was the thing like back then. And, and probably even right now, if I did it, like my first thought anytime doing a mix is like, yo, I'm gonna do all this hip hop stuff. But then when I start looking for stuff to play, I'm like, oh, I'm am sick of hearing all these songs because so and so plays right. them and so and so plays them. And then I end right. up going into this total weird place, you know. And that's what happened. Like it always happens when I do that. I always go into like a weird, and I and I put together like like the dark like rap hip hop stuff along with the dark beat stuff and throw some sort of like like you know you know fuzz metal into it and i was just like <laughs> right 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 and i'm right. like it, it, it just always happens that way you know so it, it that's killer. exactly just how i am i guess yeah it's killer man. it was it was nice to have you be a part of the fucking the legacy yeah, man, it was great. Yeah, yeah, I loved it, man. I was like, I remember when you asked me, I was like, hell yeah, man, let's go. All right. Yeah, shoot. Yeah, I'm ready. No, um, man, you, you've always been such a huge supporter. Like, even after the website, like, I'd always send you releases, like, just downloads and shit. You were always, like, super responsive. Like, hit me up on the chat. Like, well, that shit was dope. Yeah, man. I was yeah, because you you were doing something interesting, and I always liked it, and you supported what I was doing, and it was just like, yo, it was easy that way, you know? Yeah, it was like almost like Friendster or something. It was um <laughs> so so um right now you have uh like a new tape that's coming out that uh House Shoes put together um that's kind of like a collection of. Of, of old releases from the label. It's, kind of talk about like what, what that is. Yeah, like uh, it's the first, we're in our 13th year right now, but this tape is basically a mix of songs we put out in the first 10 years from like 08 to 18. Um, but Doc Kim's on there, uh, House Shoes with Jametta, J1, A Better Tomorrow, Lo-Fi, SoundFounder, um, Dark Kim's group, Autopilots. Uh, just, yeah, tons and tons of heat. Chains is on there. Slot is on there. <clears throat> but it's just kind of a, I, it's, things take me so, you can tell that this label is only me if you talk to anyone I've worked with, because some things just take a long time, and especially good things um, take even longer, you know, and this is like, <laughs> 
I think this is a mix that Shoes did um, like two years ago or something like that. And <laughs> so it was one... like it was actually like it was actually kind of around the uh, the the ten year mark. Yeah, exactly. Like it, was, it was like maybe like uh, two months after the ten year mark or something like that. Um, but I, I met House Shoes through J One like around the time the Starship comp came out, and he's uh, always I've been a big fan. Like I said, the label's actually inspired by a record he put out, um, that Fat Cat record, which I. I in no way thought that I would ever meet him in my life at all. And meeting him through J1, like we became um, super good friends. And he's just always been a really great, a really great guy, but also just a huge supporter of just anything that I've been trying to do um, in the last, you know, however many years. And so I hit him up just because in my, in my head, that's like the utmost you know, respect if we can get like a really dope DJ to put together a mix um, to kind of do not an anthology, but, you know, just kind of give people an overview of stuff that we've been putting out. And he said yes, which is fucking killer. And we made um, like 75 tapes. I think we have like 15 or 16 tapes left or something. It's just like a really tiny release, but uh it's kind of appropriate of the label. That's the kind of shit I do. It's just things that don't make sense. You know, all these years, I, you know, I'm always on your uh, email list, so I see all the announcements for for new stuff that comes out, and also the the events that you put on. Uh, you know, kind of talk about your, you know, the inspiration about about the events you put on, like, because it looks like it's a very immersive sort of thing. It's very visual along with the music. Yeah, I do. Um, me and my buddy, Sound Founder, do this event series called Exploded Drawing here in Austin. And we're in like our 10th year of doing that. And it's uh, we basically get six um, either solo, duo, uh, hip hop, experimental, electronic, whatever kind of performers um, to bring all their little machines and like drum machines, synthesizers, like all that shit and come and do a performance of like original music. We have six of those people, and then we get two or three um, visual uh, projection folks. We have two or three people that do it every time, and then we have guests that come. But they'll like light up the floors, light up the ceiling, basically light the whole place up. Uh, We buy like tons of uh, beverages that are all free for everybody. It's five bucks, all ages. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's like pretty, pretty no frills we do it uh, in diy spaces uh, we've kind of moved into our <clears throat> newest location um but we haven't done a real show in a year so recently uh, we're still actually doing tons of shows on our youtube page uh youtube blah 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 exploded drawing but um yeah man it's just it's this kind of it's kind of like uh, the ethos of maybe Discord Records or Fugazi um, mixed into, uh, for lack of a better term, like the beat world or the producer world. Yeah. Um, that's been going on kind of like, I, I first heard about that stuff maybe in like 04, I think, like 05, when I would read about this thing called Sketchbook that Kutma was doing in Los Angeles. Um, which was really nothing more than just like a hangout at a bar with a couple of friends, like drawing pictures and listening to beats. 
and like burning one in the parking lot. But I used to read, you know, at the same pace I would read your website. I would read about these nights and just be mystified, you know, because we were all on uh, MySpace and like Sam I Am, Flying Lotus. Those dudes were on MySpace just posting these dope, you know, there's all this dope music out there. Yeah, yeah. That like didn't have a name and it wasn't like I was into dubstep and into garage and into like all the shit that was going on in Europe that people over there were taking like serious. Like yeah, they serious. were taking the instrumental music like serious as fuck. Yes. And that that wasn't happening like like before donuts, like in my mind at least, with you know, no offense to people that say different, but in my mind, like donuts was the point that made that a thing. You know what I mean? Like people like that yeah. was like a, you were getting to hear something that normally only like a, a potential MC would get to hear or something like that. Yeah. You know, or, right? some, or like there were just people like that would just do it, but they weren't really putting any effort to get it out there. Like, right, like, I, I like, like, following... like Doc Kim, like he, he was doing that type of stuff since the nineties. Right. Like that weird experimental stuff. He was doing it like, he was ahead of his time. He was doing that way before, even before, that. you know, awesome. Dilla got weird with it, you know. He was doing that that stuff. But he would just do it in his, like, in his basement. Like, and we're all like, yo. I think everybody here was just like, yo, Doc Kim, you need to, like, push it a little bit more, man. Because you're, like, <laughs> you're ahead of all these cats, you know. And, right. like, also, like, uh, you know, Tad Mullenix is Dabbery, like. Like yeah. he was like, you know, pioneer of all that also, you know, he was way ahead of his time too, you know, but yeah, I know what you're saying like that, like, like donuts was something that like really brought it to, to a kind like, of, I think, a, I think now, a now coolness, think, you know, right. And I think also now people think of it as, um, maybe like that's the, the best, um, beat tape or that's the best instrumental hip hop album. Right. They hold that up as like, yeah. this is the one. But like, just with the way I remember it, I just think it's even more fantastical than that because like, that wasn't even a thing, right? You know, at, at least you know in my world, like I was a huge followed Stone Throw, followed all that shit, and they took that and made it a thing after that, after they saw that it could be a thing. But like all these like beat records and library records and all this shit that people see now, like that just wasn't that wasn't like viable in that same way. You know, like people weren't trying to make a whole producer record. Like I know, like I was a big fan of uh Blink 47, like Wajid's site. Yeah. And you know, he put out um, a few, he put out this, what was that ladies? He put out this tape with this woman's name. Uh, she was like the Rockefeller's daughter. Well, I can't remember. Anyways, this dope beat tape. Uh, but you know, it was like, 20 minute kind of snippet. Oh yeah, the the, the 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 Patty Hearst joint. Yes, the Patty Hearst joint. Yeah, the Patty like, Hearst like yeah. That like that's the thing is those little things were out there, but it wasn't like a record. You know like Yeah, because when you go from like final, like at know. the end of like the 90 like from the 90s until the like the beginning of like the early aughts like um like producers were popular based on who they were producing with, you know, right. Like you would, they would produce for somebody 
And, but like it moves from like those same producers could eventually just do projects of their own, you know, and didn't have right. to deal with rappers. Now we're in a we're, now we're in a time where we hardly know who the producer is for rappers. That's <laughs> <Right, laughs> true. Yeah, and they just come and go, you know. But before, you know, if you heard Dilla produce a joint on an album, you're like, oh snap, yo, yo, yo. Right, right. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, sp- you know, speak more about like um, you know, your other projects. You know, the like the hardcore bands that you're a part of. Um, so I used to play in a band called Society of Friends, um, and then this newer band I'm in is called Black Mercy. It's basically me and uh, four guys that used to play in other hardcore bands when we were younger. Uh, we've never been in a band together, but um, our singer Noble is like the guy who, whatever band he was in, like all of us would go and see them because he's just like that dude. Like, I think he takes Capoeira like two or three times a week now, and he's like older than me by a couple years. You know, <laughs> like he's just insanely like has his shit together. And is still straight edge after all these years and shit like that. I like that Black Mercy um, record you put out. It's great. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I fucking, it's just kind of like, <clears throat> to me, it's a throwback. But the funniest shit is like, this is what's going on, at least around here. Like, hardcore is coming back. Like, a lot of a lot of the things that we were into and doing before, like tape culture, like fucking, you know, DIY in general, is dope you know people are fucking um really making like some badass records and really kind of yeah at least at least here um you know kind of moving moving the culture and getting like kind of away from uh i don't know man part of the label and part of just me in general is i really like to have things be uh even or have the entry point be um really low you know, as well, kind of like exploded, exploded drawings, five bucks, and it's all ages. Like that's taken from the Fugazi shows, like back in the day. It didn't matter like where they played, what city they played. It was going to be five dollars, all ages. Yeah, how and, important was that for you? Because that's that's how you grew up, going out to shows, these all ages shows and whatnot. Doesn't matter what it was, to be able to do that yourself. Yeah, I mean, like that's everything to me. I mean, definitely, I'm not one of those people that's like. If it's not all ages, I won't play it. Like I'm, I'll play any place, you know. Like I'm just a regular, a regular person vibes on that. But as far as the things that like I want to make happen, like I definitely with exploded, like looked at the concept as being like kind of high art, you know, like literally, figuratively, whatever. Like it's just you're gonna get a fucking huge sound system, have people zone out to like some visuals, like buy some records, just kind of like mainly it's like 80% producers hanging out. So it has a lot more to do with like, you know, we're getting like 300, 400 people at a time. And if half of them don't know each other, chances are like they'll probably get to know each other. Yeah, and then and, boom, like they could start working together, you know, just like connecting the dots and, and, and having like a really cool place to do it. Absolutely. And I think also like producers are fucking weirdos and of course, you know, it's kind of like people that are really consciously thinking about creativity and shit like that. And it's just great getting everyone together, but also like it's hugely important for me to have 
that five dollar marker is like just enough to make sure people give a shit. But then we give away all the drinks and we make sure that nobody has to spend any more money. Like it's just about like being there, hanging out and like vibing out and enjoying the music. Like I grew up like um pretty pretty poor when I was um young, young until like we didn't we weren't living in like a solid house till like maybe I was like twelve maybe. Um and so it's it's just really important because I was that kid trying to like sneak out, go to shit, didn't have any money, but like I wanted to check it out. And those kind of things, those structural things, like really fucking matter. You know, like I think I think a lot of people think about like how much money they can make and the bottom line and all of those things are fucking valid as fuck, you know, like yeah. and I support people like following that because I'm on that sometimes too. But I mean, a lot of the times, especially with Exploded, we're uh, mostly funded by the city of Austin. So we're really fortunate that we don't we don't need to feel like money is the most important thing because the taxpayers are paying us to <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> you know, okay. throw these like freaky fucking parties for people. But uh, also, it, it's it's a really good way to open up people to things that they otherwise would not ever seek out, you know, and. The labels, one way that I do that, exploded drawing is another. Um, but yeah, for some reason that that shit's really important to me, and it has been um, for as long as I've known that I could do that. Like before, I was just kind of like making mixtapes for myself and shit. <laughs> you know, yeah. the progression just comes with like kind of giving a fuck and then seeing if you can do it. Yeah. You know? Like getting back to like the like the the hardcore records and everything. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Like what what you were um kind of explaining is something that I really like um have seen recently uh because uh with um with my Renaissance Soul podcast um I'm doing um I'm also doing uh, I'm working on doing a uh like a Twitch show where I like play and explain obscure Detroit records. So what I've been doing is I've been shopping for old like you know old records that nobody knows about and i've been finding a lot of like hardcore records from the detroit area and and they're fascinating because they're like totally diy and you get like they they stuff them with so much like flyers and stuff (laughs) that, that you know everything that's going on with that band in the label just by that release and it's like amazing yeah no, it's crazy. And you know, like that, that's kind of the, the cool, like all the, all the things about Black Mercy, at least to me, are like nostalgic, you know, like it's not, it's not like uh, brain surgeon music, like a lot of people could play it. Um, the packaging and shit is like almost the exact same way that we used to do it back in the day. Yeah. You know, just buy a stamp, stamp that shit, like number it up. Um, just like everything's simple, you know, and just the energy of the music. And also the biggest thing about it for us is because all of us have put out like multiple records and a bunch of hardcore bands. So like, it's not about really that, but it's just about being uh, immersed in that culture and also being able to like re-experience it uh, like through like the new way that it is. I don't know. It's a weird feeling. You know what I mean? Cause like, we're playing shit tons of like house shows. We're playing at fucking skate ramps. We're playing <laughs> like just in, like 
those are the only shows that really that we try to accept like especially like now that fucking there's a petri dish like everywhere you go or whatever yeah but, um <laughs> All of these things I'm talking about are pre whatever the fuck is going on, obviously, because we haven't been doing that much shit in the last year. But uh, yeah, man, like that—that's it's just fun as fuck, man. Like that's that's just like, I'll, and I will say, like out of all the things that are, you know, a hobby of mine, like drums are, you know, my first instrument and just kind of the funnest shit, you know, for an old guy to be doing, it's playing fucking hardcore music and like it's just really hilarious seeing like 18 19 year olds like just hate on us like while we're setting up and shit they're just like this is gonna suck like <laughs> fucking old and whatever and then like we bro down afterwards in a in a hardcore stance but uh no it's fucking dope man like it really it really is it's just like it's super fun and i think a part of it was I wanted to make sure and like show my son that I could actually do something that wasn't like, you know, a record player, or like a drum machine or something. Right. Right. Got any, he's five, got any, you know, so I'm trying right. to like, he's got to remember this shit. Right. He's going to start remembering that stuff. I, I you know, I'm, that's like, like around five, six years old is when I started like really like gravitating towards specific things, you know, in music. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's like my earliest things I can remember, you know? So he's really going to start, like, you know, really, like, remembering that stuff. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what my kids remember. I'm sure it will be, uh, you know, either horrifying or enlightening. I've no It'll idea. be all the stuff that they can make fun of you later on. Exactly. And see, uh, Jack's, like, involved in uh, the Exploded Drawing YouTube shows now. So that way I'll be able to make fun of him too, just in case there's any, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I don't know if there's anything else to tell about Black Mercy, but it is like super fucking, it's, it's really fun. Like, it's just an absolute blast. Do you have, have any, another record coming out? Like, oh yeah, know. I was like, I was gonna ask, like, do you have you know plans to do more uh, Black Mercy records in the label or any other hardcore bands? Uh, probably not any other hardcore bands. Um, but definitely we're gonna do one more Black Mercy record, and I think somebody else is gonna do one too. I'll definitely be on the lookout for that. Yeah, man, we're we're just about we're talking about um, we're gonna be shooting some videos pretty soon. I think is what we're going to do. We're talking about just going out to a field with a generator and just playing out there to like nobody or doing something like that. Sweet, sweet. So like, you know, you've, you know, you've been able to, you know, keep this label, you know, alive for like 13 years now. Um, it's, it's just something that's very personal to you. It's, it's not making you rich or anything, but like what, what really, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, why do you keep still doing it and what keeps it alive? Man, you know, the, the weird part is like thinking about labels being alive or not alive. That shit is like interesting to me because I think before I started doing a label, I literally thought that it was just um, just like an unattainable feat or like there was like maybe you know, when you don't know how to do anything, it seems ridiculously, uh, it just seems out of reach, you know? And I think 
Uh, once I figured out that I could actually do stuff, you know, like, um, I just started, it's, it's just kind of become like a compulsion, you know, like in all the bands that I was in, <clears throat> maybe save for like one or two, I was the guy who called everybody like before there was text. Like I was the guy who would make sure that you were going to be there on time or yeah. if you, if you needed the tape that had the song on it before we showed up, like I was going to drop it at your house like the day before to make sure you had enough time. Like, I don't know. I've just always been the person who takes care of shit or like has to talk to the dude about getting money at the end of the night <laughs> or, you know, has to drive because everyone's fucked up or like just that's just been my role. And, you know, there's a lot of things that go into um, doing a record label that I think are similar to that. You know, there's a lot of the a lot of the things, the reasons to keep doing it sometimes are just because um i just life is short man life is fucking short it's shorter than you think it is and i'm not telling you like you kelly i just mean the proverbial yeah yeah no definitely you know people out there that's my belief is that um we always are going to think that we have more time than we don't and the worst things that have ever happened to me in my life i can almost all of them, I can remember the day that it happened and that everything else was going just fine before the really terrible shit happened. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that as like, I'm fucking frightened and I'm just, you know, flailing. It's just more of an appreciation for um, when you recognize that you have an ability to do something, uh, it's on you whether you want to pursue that or not. And no one is really going to give a shit. You know, like it's about your love of the thing. And that's what really drives me is just being able to <clears throat> come up with an idea. And then I pick two or three of my friends and then ask them if they want to collaborate and then just see if we can put something together. You know, like that's how some ideas come together. Or somebody will hit me up and say, hey, I have a dope record. Like, what do you think we can do with it? And those little things turn into bigger things as far as like friendships and um, they become a part of your life and you wind up knowing people that you've worked with for 15, 20 years. And um, it just means a whole lot to me, you know, like the whole process. I'm a nerd for records. I'm a nerd for tapes. And, you know, I've been reading liner notes since I was like 13, trying to figure out, who like uh, Don Ziantera in her ear in DC is because he recorded like 85% of the discord records. And he's like <laughs> this old square dude, like how did it happen? You know, that shit really matters to me. Right. Uh, I, I feel you. And the label part of it is just like such a fun, funny, weird thing um, to be a part of, you know, like the autopilots records, like, one of the best releases I've ever put out, in my opinion. Um, there's a label, I forget, it's called Cabbages Hip Hop. I'm probably getting that wrong, but they just did like a post about it. The record came out in like 2014. This guy just figured out that it's Doc Kim and like he's just putting all the names of the faces. Yeah. And he posted it last week and it made me so fucking happy. Like <laughs> just the fact that it's like, it's these artifacts, you know, and the crazy that 
nobody like Doc Kim has gotten considerably a lot bigger and more well known since that record's come out. And nobody took that record and then tried to say, hey, and this is Doc Kim's record over here too. It's just like it naturally found this weird post that went up with this guy that's like, I can't believe I've been listening to this record. Now I figured out who it was. And like, I just remember that feeling for myself with records and the fact that like, I'm somewhat like a small part of that is like <laughs> dope, you know? And like when that record came out, I sent Doc Kim all of his copies in San Francisco, right? It's like a 12 inch, 12 inch box full, like 60 records, 75 records, something like that. Yeah. Send it to him. I'm looking at the tracking. I see it was delivered. I call him and I say, hey man, you get those records, everything cool? And he's like, actually, it's not fucking cool. And I was like, yo, what? Like, what's going on? I, he, I'm paraphrasing, so don't hold me this, but he was not happy, right? And I asked him what, what happened. He says the box that got there is filled with what presumably someone's stolen mail. It's a bunch of different addresses and like a urine specimen cup. And it's like, it's a 45 box now. It's smaller. So basically like the records went to San Francisco, yeah, went to San Francisco. The way I taped the label was like a piece of paper with tape over it, right? Yeah. They lifted the whole thing and put it on this box with like a urine sample and then put that to Doc Kim's house. Those records were stolen and never found. <laughs> so Holy like, shit! Yeah, just like weird shit like that happens. Like you can't make a record more limited than that. Just fucking have a bunch of them stolen and replaced with like some stolen mail and shit. So Doc had thought for a second that maybe I had sent him that shit intentionally. You know, like he was like, "What the fuck?" And then, you know, after after talking a little bit, he was like, "Holy shit! Yeah, I don't know how this happened. This is fucked up." You know, and getting like someone else's urine, that's fucking disgusting. Like, wow, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. This is weird. <clears throat> but yeah, man, those those kind of things and like the small it's always a success when a unknown artist um when we do a couple things and then they're known after that. It doesn't mean I had, you know, I didn't do it, they did it, but it's so cool to just be um, yeah, I'm yeah. a part of that, you know, when I was coming up, I had a few people reach out and like show me shit, like really show me and like teach me like how to do things a certain way. And that's how I pay it back. You know, a lot of a lot of working with artists has a lot more to do with just educating them on how to do all this shit for themselves, you know. Right. You know, as we kind of wind down, like what, you know, what, what do you kind of have, like, you know, the what, what does the future have in store for you? Is there anything that you haven't done thus far that you would like to do? You know, you know what what do you, you know, just see that you want to do in the future? Man, I'd love to, like, in the last, like, year or so, I've been a lot more focused on trying to do some more um, collaborations with MCs. Um, so I definitely would love to do, you know, a record with somebody or a couple of somebodies. Um, and then also another another Black Mercy record. I think probably we're going to keep doing these exploded drawings on YouTube probably until 2022. I'm really stoked to like come back with that. But as far as shit I haven't 
done yet that I want to do. I mean, <clears throat> I recorded like 165 interviews last year, like right at the beginning of the pandemic. Like I got on Instagram every night and like just interviewed as many people as would say yes. And I've been slowly, it's, I've been slowly editing this shit and I've only put out like four of them. So that's one thing I kind of like to focus on is just getting them out there. But I've definitely, I've been trying to learn Final Cut as much as possible and just, you know, fuck with video shit a little bit more. But um, yeah, man, I've been, the, the other thing, probably like a long form, the next record I do is going to have some kind of like 20 minute movie video type thing associated with it. We just did this one for uh, Nameless called Chips the Movie that's coming out on uh, April 16th. But yeah, it's shoes mixing the whole uh, Nameless record, um, 30 second bumps, like back to back to back. And then uh, a friend of mine from here, Orion Garcia, he's a part of the Pelagrosa DJ crew, but he's also like a phenomenal digital artist. He, he put together this like 13 minute, like fucking movie, Chips the Movie. Um, but yeah, man, I've been getting really into shit like that. And then, um, playing, I'm playing drums like fuck ton. Like I got this little fucking, uh, how does the internet work? Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Over. It's like backwards. So I don't get it. Okay. There's a little kid's drum set. Oh yeah. There. I see. Yeah. Behind my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I don't know if you, you probably can't see it, but this painting in this are the same painting yeah and this it's actually the oh here my shit's not plugged in yeah this is the original artwork for mad lib uh come on feet okay oh yeah all right and then this is the other side of it nice but yeah, he's the he's the homie. He's done uh, by Aaron Guatemuz. He's done a couple um, record covers. He did the Georgia Dudley record, and he also did the new um, Paralysium Cantos record. But yeah, man, sounds good, man. Sounds good. You know, good luck with everything as always, man. It's been great talking with you. Thank you, K-Fresh. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for doing what you're doing, man. You're still turning me on to new shit all the time. I really appreciate it. I love to hear that. I love to hear that. You know, before we get out of here, where can people go online to uh, get more information about Insect Records and everything that you're up to? Man, everybody can go to insectrecords.org. And if you want to see what I'm up to, I'm always on Instagram, uh, butcherbear or butcher underscore bear. There's insect records on there. All those places. Just type it into the machine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Fresh of the Word podcast. Hosted and produced by myself, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. Empowered by Anchor at anchor.fm slash Fresh of the Word. Fresh of the Word theme music provided by Steve O. You can find more of his productions at imsteveo.bandcamp.com and that's E-Y-E-A-M-S-T-E-V-E-O dot bandcamp dot com. Fresh of the Word is available on all major streaming platforms. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher.
If you want to support Fresh of the Word, please consider pledging via Patreon at patreon.com slash Fresh of the Word. Follow Fresh of the Word on social media on Twitter at Fresh of the Pod, on Instagram at Fresh of the Word Podcast, and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fresh the Word. For more information about Fresh of the Word and our other podcasts, Breaking Records and Renaissance Soul, and a collection of pop culture articles and reviews, please visit freshofthepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and your support. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.